0: We praise and glorify the Lord our God, for He is good, and that His grace abounds upon us. His mercies are new every morning, and in everything He does, He does all things for our good. Indeed, as we ponder upon His greatness and His faithfulness upon us, even in such a time as this, it is prudent for us even to reflect on His great uh, mercy upon us that we can declare this anthem that we would trust in Him alone, that we would uh, put our faith and our trust in Him. We will walk by faith and not by sight. So join me even as we uh, sing together this song by uh, Keith and Getty, uh, By Faith We Stand. ¡Gracias! in Him alone. We will uh, fix our gaze upon the Lord. Indeed, by faith, indeed, we stand. We stand as the children of the promise. We will uh, fix our eyes on Him, our soul's reward. Till the race is finished and the work is done, we will walk by faith and not by sight indeed that's our our scripture passage for this day as we uh, focus on the book of habakkuk chapter number two and we fix our gaze on habakkuk two it is a passage of scripture that has been described as um, um as as a text of the old testament that has that plays a, a larger role uh in the doctrinal discussion of the new testament than uh than any other text actually it is also one of the foundation stones on which Martin Luther uh, built his anti Popal doctrines of the Reformation. And we are going to be talking about Reformation sometime later. But just to to, to wait your appetite. uh, This passage, Habakkuk chapter number 2, verse 4. The statement found on that verse as as God responds to Habakkuk's uh, complaints. God responds to Habakkuk by saying, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. That is the declaration. So it, it is this passage that has been described as, um, as, as 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 the theme of the entire scripture. Uh, that all prophecies uh, points to this, and all the gospel uh, would would actually affirm to this particular truth. And what we find in this particular text, God finally now reveals. The message itself, after Habakkuk complained, it is a short but comprehensive response uh, in the day of turmoil, destruction, and where uh, the Russia's people are are asking questions as to what is happening around us when the nations around, even in this particular context where we find uh, the Chaldeans, we are coming to pounce and to hold the people of Judah captive And Habakkuk was so perplexed as he he heard what God has to say concerning the people who were coming to punish the the nation of Israel. And the question that Habakkuk is asking, would God leave the guilty in Judah and in Babylon and punished? Would the righteous become consumed with the wicked? But what do we see in this particular passage? We see that the Lord then responds by saying, That it is in this, at the verge of this destruction, at the verge of this judgment, the righteous one will live by faith. It is with that I would like us to come before the Lord and pray together that the Lord will be with us even as we are about to, to, to just dive into the exposition of this text. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we honor you in the glorious name of your dear son jesus we thank you that you have loved us and you have called us to yourself and we pray that as we reflect on your word god you'd help us to understand you help us to comprehend above us that your son jesus will be glorified our desires that as we hear your word you grant us the faith we need for you have taught us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word so we pray that you would do just that we pray that you minister To our hearts, you cause us to be glad and rejoice in you. It is for the glory and honor of Jesus, we pray. And may God's people say, Amen. So in Habakkuk chapter number two, what do we find is and uh, the, the, the theme of our of our of our of our sermon is is, is uh, the faith of the righteous ones, the faith of the righteous ones in time of crisis, in time when the destruction and judgment was impending, and even as we live in our day and age where we are living now, I would like to assure you that judgment has been pronounced on all ungodly men and women, judgment and 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 destruction awaits. Those who have not placed their faith and their trust in Jesus. Therefore, uh, the the, the question, actually, the proposition is this, that if if this is true, uh, that the just would live by faith in the time of uh, Habakkuk, it is true in our day and age. So in the face of impending judgment from the hands of the Holy God, uh, as the situation was in the time of Habakkuk, as the situation in Habakkuk time was, uh, so, so there, was, there was an imminent invasion of the southern kingdom of Judah by the Chaldeans who are also called the Babylonians. This invasion eventually happened actually at the end of the sixth century and Jerusalem fell to Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. The Lord revealed to Habakkuk beforehand that Judah was going to be punished for her sin by the Chaldeans. And it is in this particular context where I would love us to examine as to uh, the three realities that are true on, on every generation before the Lord would bounce on them with justice or punishment. Three realities, as you see in this particular verse. Firstly, you are seeing in this particular verse, this verse is loaded with uh, a chasm of contrast. You, you find in this verse, the Bible describes those who are puffed up, those who are proud. And and, and there is this chasm of contrast that we are seeing these Chaldeans who are described as, as they are ruthless and they are boastful. And, and the, the second part of the verse is speaking of the righteous and the believer. And you can see the contrast of the two, this chasm of contrast that exists between these two groups of people. One trust in himself, as you can see in chapter number one. Uh, Another one has faith in God. Another one uh, goes in the way of the ungodly. Another one is going in the way of God. Another one's way is that of unbelief. Another one's life is that of faith. Another one submits to no one. The one who is proud and puffed up, he submits to no one. He is arrogant and is proud. Whereas this one who is the just, the righteous, he submits to God and exhibits trustworthiness and faithfulness. So at core, at we, then we, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago when we spoke about the fate of the puffed up. The fate of the puffed up is that they are lost. That's their fate. Their end is destruction. They will die eternally. They will be destroyed, as Jesus Christ even puts it in the book of Matthew, chapter number 7, verse number 18. So in every generation of men, since the fall of Adam, there is this chasm contrast. Uh, you find that in every generation, you find there are those who are in sin and there are those who are uh, putting their faith and their trust in God, there are those who trust in their own righteousness and they trust in their own works for redemption. But there are those who have trusted not in their own works, but they trust in the works of Christ finished on the cross. So there is this great chasm uh, of, of 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 contrast that you find existing in all the sons and daughters of Adam. Therefore, it is with that in mind. I really want you to see then as to what is it then that the Lord is is showing us in this. If if there is this uh, chasm of contrast, that there's a righteous righteous man who 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 is justified, one who has been declared righteous, who puts his faith in God, and one who is wicked and puffed up, that he is not upright within him, he trusts in himself. Secondly, what do we see? We see in this particular test, not only do we see a chasm of contrast, but secondly, we're seeing the culture of the remnant. And you can see there that in the midst of all this dark and gloom, in the midst of all this hopelessness in Judah, as the people of God are being taken into captivity, uh, there is a pronouncement as it would, I'm, I'm, I'm calling this the culture of the remnant, Because if we are to define culture in simplistic terms, the culture simply means the people's way of life. Now, the question is, who who, who are these righteous men? What does it mean to be righteous? What does it mean to be righteous? The the word used there, it's the one who has been justified, the justified one. This one who has been justified will live by faith. It is a simple term to, to speak of a person who is righteous in, 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 in his, one who is right, one who is in the right. It is a forensic, it's a forensic term that describes one who has been declared righteous in this context as well. It's a forensic sense. It, it's one who, who was, as it would in the court of the law, admittedly speaks of a right relationship and a right conduct toward God. So God is saying, I have my remnant and even as these people are going into exile, my righteous ones, those I have justified, those I have declared righteous, they will live by faith. This is the person who is righteous or just in one, and one who conforms to a certain standard, admittedly to God's perfect standard. But the question is, do we have such a one? If we can take the definition of righteousness to, uh, to 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 mean all that God is, that righteousness is 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 all that God commands. Righteousness is all that God demands. If righteousness is all that God approves, if righteousness admittedly is all that God provides for us in Christ, then we we need to understand then that this righteousness we are talking about it's not a righteousness that is within us. It's not a righteousness that you and I do possess. It's not a righteousness that you and I inherit. This is the righteousness that is foreign from us. And I'm going to talk about that. But I just want you to see here that the Bible is saying that the righteous one, one who has been declared the righteous, his culture, the culture of such a one, is a culture of faith. They will live by faith. Look at it. It does not say that the righteous shall begin by faith, and then proceed on some other principle. It does not say that the the righteous shall draw on faith from time to time. No, Um, it does not say that the righteous one will draw from faith as as faith is needed. No, it does not say that. It says the righteous will live continually by faith. That is, the righteous will operate on this principle 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, So long as this man or woman is alive, this person shall live by faith. That is the culture of the remnant as they are going out there, as they are going to uh, to exile these men and women those who were declared righteous, they, they were men who were expected to live by faith they were men and women who were expected to trust in god the word faith that is used there it's, it's it, it carries the meaning of firmness and steadfastness it carries the meaning of fidelity and faithfulness in other words they were to be firm trusting in the promises of god almighty they were to ground themselves in the truth of the word. They were to to, to find themselves um c- coming to God and believing in him. The definition of faith, simple definition of faith, the the, the, the powerful, profound scripture this definition of faith is faith is a substance of things hoped for, an evidence of things not seen. So therefore, what do we have? We have the 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 the, the causing contrast between the righteous and the wicked, the puffed up and the one who is humble and who trust in god therefore this is the faith we need when, when everything seems dark there must be a constant sense um, of unseen within us that we focus not on what we see second uh, corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 tells us that we fix our eyes not on what is seen but we do not fix our eyes on what is a sin we fix our eyes on what is unseen for everything we see is temporary. But everything we don't see is eternal. So this faith actually is it's what Paul also go on to say in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians verse 7. We are those who whose culture, whose lifestyle we walk by faith. Not we, we walk by faith, not by sight. So faith, and we can define it as Watingson would say it's the constant sense of things unseen and eternal. Faith means trust, daily confidence in the faithful creator. The loving redeemer. Faith means expectation. It, it means the anticipation of the uh, recompense or the reward. So faith is, 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 is the root and hope is the blossom. Charity then is the flower of the true religion. So we have this faith that we need in time even of crisis. Therefore... It is with that in mind that we see then the culture of those who believe, the culture of those who are remnant, the culture of those who are going into exile this particular time. They were expecting to trust and depend on God. They were supposed to live, to move, and have their being in Him alone. It meant that they were supposed to rely on Him for breath as they draw it. They were supposed to rely on God for the direction that they took. They were supposed to rely and trust on God for the decisions that they were to make. They were supposed to trust and believe in God for the goals that they were to set. And they were supposed to trust and believe in God for the outcome of their lives. And this, brothers and sisters, is the same about you and me. Every people, every nation is known by their culture. Every family has got values and every family has got its identity. One of the key identities of a Christian family, of the family of God, is this one. that uh, the, 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 The family of God ought to be a family of faith, true faith, true saving faith. I need to qualify that. It's not just another faith that we're talking about here. It is a family, men and women, who must put their faith and trust in God. So I want to speak to you. Even as as I want you to realize this, you your putting faith in God means that every breath that you draw, you rely on God. For every decision that you make, You depend on God. For every everything that you do, you trust fully on this God. So then what does this mean? Does it mean that you are going to um, just go into a dark world that you jump and you or just is this just positive believism? No, it's not like that. This is not faith in faith. This is faith in the make of the heavens and the earth. This is faith in the one who possesses the universe. This is faith despite of all the outward. Um, Despite all the outward and the inward circumstances This is faith despite of all personal sin and guilt This is faith despite all psychological, social and physical distortions And this is the kind of lifestyle that one who is Are very much aware that we serve a God who is a consuming fire And as we are walking in this sinful world Such a man and a woman remains faithful in God, trusting in His promises. So faithfulness is life by God's power rather than life by one's own strength. It is a life that anyone who is in the family of God ought to demonstrate and to display. But sadly, you and I, we fall into the category of the puffed up man. We are proud many times. We do not seek after God. We trust in our own righteousness. We trust in our own works. And it is for that reason that Paul had to write and to condemn and to to speak against that kind of thinking, that believes that um, you, you, you can actually end your way to God or you can end your own righteousness before God. It is with that, that in mind that Paul had to write to the believers in Galatia as he, he urges them to say, No, you are justified by grace through faith. He, he, he said the same thing to the believers in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8. he tells us we have been saved by grace through faith. This is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. It's not as a result of works. It is God's gift. So faith then comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God so true faith then the object of true faith is in god himself but the author of this faith is jesus christ our lord so we've looked at the cousin contrast that exists all men everywhere all across the universe there is this great cousin contrast there is a righteous generation there are those who have placed their faith and their trust in jesus and then they will receive eternal life but there are those who are wicked and they are puffed up that they believe in their own works but we see, secondly, there is a culture of those who are remnant, the faithful ones, those who then will believe in God. But the author of their faith is Christ himself. So the chasm contrasts the culture of the remnant. But lastly, the Christ, who is the author of our faith. So faith, true saving faith consists in three things. It consists in knowledge, assent, and Truth. If we would be pleasing to God, if we would come to him and be saved by him, we must know the revelation of God in the gospel. We must give assent that God's revelation is truth. And we must trust him whom God reveals. And God reveals to us and he opens our eyes. He gives us a revelation of his son, Jesus, who has made God known to us. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, He who comes to God must believe. He must believe that God is. And that is a reward of those who diligently seek after Him. So in order for us to trust, there must be something or someone known to us that we, tr- we, that we put our trust in. So faith in Christ is a hard work. But it is, it is not a leap into the deck. It is based upon knowledge. There are facts. There is an objective truth. There are objective facts that we have. And the object is Christ himself and the word, the written word. So knowledge is important even in the matters of our faith. Two things according to Hebrews 11 verse 6 should be known to us. First and foremost, we must know who Jesus Christ is. We must know the Lord God as he has revealed himself in the person in the work of Jesus for Hebrews 11 verse 6, he who comes to God must believe that he is. You remember the words of Jesus Christ as he prays in John 17 verse 3. Christ would pray and he would say this, and this is the life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So true faith, then, true faith must, 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 must be founded on the knowledge of God, as it is revealed in his son jesus so no god as is revealed in the person and the work of christ because no man has seen the father at any time the only begotten son which is in the bosom of the Father. He's the one who has declared him to us. John 1 verse 18 tells us that, isn't it? John 14 verse 6 to 9, Jesus says to, 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 to his disciples, he said to even to uh, to, to Philip, one of his disciples, I am, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If ye had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and you have seen him. For Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father. And, and it's sufficient for us. But Jesus Christ answers him, Have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou, then shall show us the Father? So Jesus is very much, very much clear there. If we see him, we see the Father. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. God, who has at sundry times in diverse manners spoke in time past unto the fathers and the prophets, he has in this last day spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he has made the worlds. Who is this Jesus? Verse 3 tells us, He being the brightness of his glory and the express image of the person and upholding all things by the word of his power. So you must know that God is. You must know that God is who he says he is. You must know that God is what He says He is. So that's what we need to know. We must know uh, God as He has revealed Himself in the finished work of His Son, Jesus. You must also know that God is a rewarder. Hebrews 11 verse 6 tells that. So as these men and women are going into exile, you may say, to say, what's the connection between Hebrews 11 verse 6 with with these men? Because I want you to see in Hebrews, in Habakkuk chapter number 2, the response which God gives to Habakkuk, he says that the vision is for an appointed time, um, although, it, it, although it, it, it tarries, although it lingers, wait for it. For how? For it will surely come to pass. And what you find then in the book of Habakkuk, in the book of Hebrews then, in chapter number 10, verse 38. Uh, Habakkuk chapter number 10, verse 38. Habakkuk uh, In Hebrews, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 38. The author of Hebrews will go on to admonish his, his audience to say, but the righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no place in him. But preceding that, he has just said these words in verse 37. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. Does that sound familiar? That is exactly like what you find in Habakkuk chapter number 2. In verse number 3. A vision is for an appointed time. Although it it is, wait for it, for it will surely come to pass. Why? Because God shall reward. He will reward. He rewards those who diligently seek after Him. And what do we see then in Jeremiah chapter twenty-nine? Jeremiah then will be one of the contemporaries with Habakkuk because Jeremiah will be um, the last prophet to speak to the to the to the people of Judah. And Habakkuk was 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 actually his contemporary. And Jeremiah in chapter twenty-nine, verse thirteen, all the way to verse. All the way to verse um 14 he, god will speak to the people uh, as they are about to go into exile to tell them to say when you seek me you'll find me and when you shall call upon me and i'll answer you i'll be found by you says the lord i will turn away i will turn you away from your captivity because these men are about to be sent into captivity and i'll bring you again to this place where i've taken you from And I want you to see, brothers and sisters, when we come to the Lord and we trust Him in this time, even concerning the impending judgment that awaits every sinner, when a sinner turns to the Lord, when a sinner repents of his sin and seeks the face of God, His kingdom and His righteousness, such a sinner will be rewarded. God will reward those who seek Him with mercy. He rewards them with grace. He rewards them with salvation. He rewards them with eternal life. Is it on the basis of their works? No. It is a free gift of God. So all who seek the Lord, all who come to God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they shall be rewarded with eternal and everlasting life. But how can we know God, or how can we know that God will reward every believer with eternal salvation? How? It is through the gospel. The gospel of God reveals to us what God is able to do for us. And it is because of the gospel of God. That's why Paul would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The Jews first and to the Gentiles. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So the righteousness of God is, is revealed. How? From faith. To faith, so you attain this. You are you get to receive eternal life in God, in Jesus Christ, because of your faith in Jesus. You do not trust in your own works, you trust in the works of Christ accomplished for you and me on the cross. Romans chapter 3, verse 24-26: being justified free by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith. In his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through for the forbearance of God. How? To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness that he might be just. This is the God we're talking about. And the justifier of him who believes in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this is a great truth. So we have a great in. A great contrast, chasm. We see that the great chasm contrast. But in the midst of that great chasm contrast, there is a culture of the of the remnant. Oh, may the remnant of God arise in this time when we are faced with crisis. May the men and the women of God walk by faith and not by sight. May we not be moved and be shaken with what we see. May we trust in Jesus Christ that the Lord Jesus Christ has earned a righteousness for us, his people, that we can be another kingdom and nation before God. Know this, that the Son of God has purchased a salvation for those who trust in him. He has promised that salvation will be given to all who trust in his Son. That's what God has promised. So then, the gospel, to, to know the gospel is essential. And this is a matter of paramount importance That you know what the gospel is. It's the redemptive work of Christ. That he is the able redeemer. He is the God man. He is the willing redeemer. One who comes willingly to serve and to suffer in your place. He is an effectual redeemer. Unless a person knows these things. He cannot have faith. He cannot please God. He cannot be saved. But Mary knowing these things is not faith. Yes knowledge is necessary. But knowledge alone is not faith so along with this knowledge our hearts must give assent to these things that we say that yes they are true because i want to submit to you that there are many people who know the truth they 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 believe they have heard about this for years they have been catechized and they have been trained in the gospel from 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 the time that they were they were even born but saving faith involves a willing voluntarily deliberate considerate assent to the truth of god So faith, true saving faith, embraces the revelation of God as the revelation of God. Listen to this warning. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. 1 John chapter 5 verse 9 to 13. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his son. He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. He that believes not God has made him a liar because he has believed not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record that God has given us of eternal life. And this life is in his son. He has also, he that has the son has life. And he that has not the son of God does not have life. These things are... I have written unto you that you may believe on the name of the Son, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God, Jesus. So then, what do we have? At the verge and in the face of judgment, in the face when the people of God were about to go into exile, God says, the just who live by faith. But I want you to know, you may be saying, maybe, but I'm not going into exile. How does this apply to me? You too, sir. If you do not repent of your sins, there is an impending judgment awaiting you. But the only way that you are able to stand before a holy and a just God is if you put your faith and your trust in this Jesus. Turn away from your sins. Cast yourself on him. And he will redeem you it is this faith that you need it is this faith that i need it is the faith that saves it is a faith that sanctifies it is a faith that sustains us that we walk not by sight but we walk by faith may the lord god help us that we may move and we may be filled with the holy spirit that unlike other christians who walk by 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 by, by their feelings other Christians who walk by their works, other Christians who walk based on the circumstances, other Christians who walk and live their lives on on the basis of what they see on the news, other Christians who live their lives on the basis of what they see on the stock exchange or what they see in their body or what they see in their houses or in their bank accounts. Each of these things are meaningless and they are dangerous without a life lived out in faith in God. Therefore, the just shall live by faith. Our matching orders must be we will live by faith. Our 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 great cousin contrast that we have is that a God who there is a God who is holy. We are not. There is a God who is righteous, we are not. But the culture of the remnant is that the remnant they will live their lives by faith in God. And such a remnant then they find their comfort they find their courage they find their confidence even amidst any opposition amidst any perceived danger that we trust and we believe in a God who has made us in a God who has called us in a God who sent his son to die for us in a God who has defeated death in a God who has defeated the power of sin in a God who soon returned to take us to be with him when our faith shall be turned into sight then we shall sing that glorious song Oh, death, where is your sting? We praise God that the power of sin has been destroyed in Jesus Christ, our King. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you have loved us. We once dwelt in a place where we had no hope, we had no Christ, without hope in the world and through your Son, Jesus, you have saved us. For that we say thank you. So therefore we pray tonight, even this morning, even this afternoon, whatsoever time your people are listening, I pray that you will, O God Almighty, continue the great work you've begun. If there are some who are listening, who do not know you, may you extend your mercy and your grace upon them. In Jesus' Christ's name we pray. Amen.